0: Hello and welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, Father and Son Conversations about Discipleship and Culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John.
1: And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about how to increase the personal development of your life, your spiritual power, strength, um, man just becoming the better version of yourself like this this process that you can bring that God multiplies and here's the secret you go big by going small exactly yeah so we're going to talk about ways to go big in your life by going small
0: in your life yeah and specifically uh, relationally <laughs> with your well there's some power there and, yeah. yeah 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 and with your sphere of influence and yeah yeah, it's
1: going to be way better than we're making it sound right now. As so always. just hold on tight, and it's going <laughs> it's going to get good. This is this seriously. I believe this could be an episode that can, that if if we put it in play, could actually be a, a defining
0: moment. Really, for sure. Well, before that, it is joke and or story time, and it is your turn this week.
1: It is, and I thought I would tell the story of when um, I soloed in a Cessna one fifty two. Uh, that is a single prop, uh, airplane. I learned to fly. Um, and, um, after this particular flight, I never flew again. <laughs> Ever again? Never again. Uh, not as even with other people? No, I just never did it. I never. Well, yeah. Anyway, my brother was a flight instructor. I had just graduated high school and I was going to head, uh, to college in the fall. And so, in, um, Late July or early August, he lived uh, in another little town out west of uh, Fort Worth, and so he lived at this little airport, and he was a flight instructor for this airport. And so I, I, I had already done all my ground school, um, and I went out and that, there. And that's
0: just what that's a that's uh, the simulators and stuff like that. Or? No,
1: no simulators, but you you have to read all these things, take all these tests, pass the tests and really understand the dynamics of flight, the the operation of the aircraft. And this lift, is a while drag.
0: this is a while before your uh traffic control days. Oh,
1: yeah. 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 Um I've loved aviation, you know, most of my life. I've always looked up at control towers and thought that must be really cool to be up there. And my brother loved flying and he had gotten his
0: degree and he was a flight instructor. So, um I had no idea that Joe. I mean, I knew. I guess I, I knew we liked planes. I didn't know he had a was a flight instructor. Instructor.
1: Yeah, that's a whole other story on why he quit doing that. But anyway, um, so after uh, high school, I realized that my dad's uh, my dad had died. You know, two about a year and a half before that, and that the trust fund would pay for my flight lessons. So I mm. took ground school. Then I went out and I started cramming flying lessons while I lived with him you know, for a little time. And um, I uh, took to it really well. And then one day we we flew for a lesson. I was doing some touch and goes, but it was really windy. So we went over to a different airport where they had a broader runway. And I'm practicing touch and goes there. And then... And that's uh, just
0: taking off a little bit, landing, and then taking off a little bit.
1: Yeah, you, you, you uh, take off, fly a circle around the airport back in the pattern and then you
0: land and then
1: instead of stopping you give it gas and you take off again you touch and you go and so I had done about four of those and my brother said okay this time come to a final stop so I landed and I came to a stop he said just stop right here on the runway and he gets out of the plane and he said "Uh, I want you to do uh, three touch and goes and then stop and pick me up I said I'm not ready for this yeah, you are. I'm not getting in that plane until you do it. I said, I'm not ready for this. This isn't, you know, no way.
0: Is this unorthodox?
1: Oh, yeah. It's way earlier in my flying lessons than I should be doing this. Mm. And uh he said, I'm not getting back in that plane until you do this. So he shut the door and he started walking away. So stupid me, I take off. Now, taking off is easy. Anybody can take off. That's not hard at all. And I do the pattern. I come around and... um Uh, I start to land. Now, the thing about landing in this little plane is you look out the window and it looks like you're like a foot off the ground, Mm -hmm. but you're really about eight feet off the ground. And so I think I'm about a foot off the ground. So I push in the the steering wheel. That's how you descend. Mm -hmm. And I push that in to just do that last foot and land. Well, right as I do that, this crosswind comes across and turns the plane, you know, not, not directly sideways, but uh, pointing to the right
0: Caddy Wampus,
1: and uh and it hit the ground like it like dropping off of a one-story building almost i mean it, 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 it i hit the ground really hard and i screamed oh jesus and i took my hands <laughs> off the wheel <laughs> and the plane bounces into the air Turns the other way, bounces in the air again. Oh, my
0: gosh. And when
1: I bounce the third time, I look up, and I'm pointed straight down the runway. And, of course, the runway is getting shorter. (laughs) So I gas it up, and I take off again, which is way easier than stopping when you're panicked. Sure. And I'm like, what am I doing? Why did I take off again? (laughs) And uh, came around a second time, touch and go, did it fine that time. Uh, Came down a third time and stopped and, uh, when I stopped, pulled over my brother, I killed the engine. I jumped out of the plane. I said, you're a, uh, you know, blankety, blankety blank. Mm-hmm. And I was furious, but he got back in the plane. He got me back in the plane. We flew back to the airport where he was a flight instructor and he had already called those guys. Cause what happens when you solo, it's your first time to fly alone. Um, when you get back to the airport, they have this ceremony. What they do is they, they, People are there waiting on you, and they're kind of hidden. And when you come off the plane and stuff, they douse you in water. They throw buckets of water on you, <laughs> and then they cut off the back of whatever shirt you're wearing. And really? then, yeah, and then they take that piece of shirt and they, on, with a sharpie, they write your name and the date, and and then they hang it on the wall in the airport. And out, on the wall is all these shirts of people who've soloed, taking their flying lessons there. And so I really like uh, some of
0: my shirts. I might be kind of mad. Well,
1: I didn't know that was going to happen either. And that was one of my favorite T-shirts. But I didn't care because I was pretty fired up that I, I mean, you know, I was really yeah. mad he made me do it. But I was pretty proud of the fact that I had done it. And uh, so that's my that's my fly solo story.
0: But you said it was a an, a overall negative experience. Well, it was, I was scared the living daylights out of me, man. I, I mean, I could again. have
1: killed myself and my brother would have stood there and had to watch me die. If I had flipped that plane over on the runway and killed myself, he would have never forgiven himself. So I just, I still uh, am blown away that he,
0: that he had me do that. It sounds a lot like something your dad would do. It does, doesn't it? (laughs) It (laughs) (laughs) Is Joe a lot like him?
1: Oh man. Yes. Well, yeah, me, he and I are both like my dad. Only uh, my brother has the crazy parts of my dad. Sure. I have the really smart parts of my dad. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I've always loved flight simulators. Yeah. I feel like when you're a kid, everyone wants to be a pilot, like a fighter pilot. Yeah. Um, and I learned pretty quick that that was not in my, in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my eyesight is is uh, well beyond my years. Yeah. And I'm flat-footed. And I think I'm too tall, actually. I think you fighter are pilots too tall. can only be a certain height. Yeah, for sure. So I, I check at least three different boxes of why I could not be a fighter pilot. Right. Um, well, later, you know, when we lived in Colorado,
1: a friend of mine was a flight simulator instructor for United Airlines. Mm. And he invited me. This is before 9-11, because after 9-11, they wouldn't let anybody do this because those sure. terrorists had uh, done simulator time. You could buy simulator time at that point. Gotcha. And all they ever practiced was taking off. They didn't care about landing. And <laughs> it should have been a clue what they were going to do. So they really locked down uh, simulator activity anyway. This guy let me go to the United uh, Airlines Simulating Station over there, in it's in uh, Stapleton in Colorado. And I got to fly the 737 flight simulator, and I flew it underneath the Golden Gate Bridge. Whoa. And then I landed on the strip in Vegas. It was pretty cool. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. <laughs> I love those things. There's the one in uh, uh, the flight museum in SeaTac. Or, yeah. Or, uh, might, is that technically it's at Boeing Field. Is? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that thing. It's on a big gyro, so it actually yeah. moves. And, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I went there with uh, uh, my niece Jaden. Well, we were there as a family, but she was in the simulator with me. Ah, and so we just kept spinning around, like going upside down. Yeah, the time yeah, and, doing barrel rolls and stuff. Yeah, really fun.
1: All right, we're nine minutes in. Let's get going on this conversation, John. So we're going to talk about how to uh, really take steps forward in your own development in your in your spiritual formation in your character development. And how going small makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Now you, uh, start us off because the first small, like we all have uh, a relationship with the church typically. So we're part of a church. We go in a room and, you know, sit in a room with 900 of our closest friends and look at the back of everybody's head and high five somebody or shake hands, you know, pre COVID. all Um, And that has a powerful thing. I mean, I've had significant God moments in my life being in a room like that full of people and have encountered God in pretty dramatic ways a handful of times in my life. That is a very important rhythm to your spiritual development. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But there's another layer of development, which is that uh, kind of the conversation is you need to go from rows to circles. Because in a circle, you kind of face each other. Yeah. You have push and pull conversation. You debate ideas. You have a little vulnerability with each other. And so this idea of going from rows to circles, that's the first part of going small, is to have a group of people that um, you actually do life with and and have some um, discussions with. Sure. Do you have that in your life, John?
0: Uh. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Um, I have I feel like I have singular connections that I that are very meaningful to me. Um, uh, But when you think of a the idea of the circle as like a group like on a sitcom, right? Like on Friends or Mm. or, you know, How Many Mother or Seinfeld, like a group of friends where they're all friends with each other. Yes. And uh, so I I have very meaningful one on one connections. I don't always feel like I have the unit, you know. (laughs) Those are great examples. You know, Cheers was that way. Cheers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Friends,
1: like you said, um, How I Met Your Mother. What's that one? Uh, new Girl. Is that, is that
0: what it's called? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Same, yeah. same deal. Just a tight group of best friends with are only friends with each other. No one else really enters or leaves the group. Yeah. You can't really penetrate the circle once it's formed and mm-hmm. you're not
1: allowed to leave it. Um, so that's an interesting uh, observation,
0: John. You don't have that with a circle. You have a bunch of one-on-ones. That's what it feels like to me. And I wonder how much of that is. It was a lot like that in high school where uh, uh, the friends I did have were were singular and they belonged to a bunch of different groups. And I wasn't friends with the rest of the group. It was just this one person from each group. uh, And it was kind of strange that way. And so I wonder if that's just how I operated and continue to operate or if that's pretty normal, if that happens to a lot of people. That's interesting.
1: You know, the introversion part means your appetite for that certainly is smaller than an extrovert who would say, let's have a party. You could have a you'd have a great evening with one or two people. You Mm. wouldn't think, well, let's have six people over here instead of two. Right. Typically. Right. Would that be right? Typically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I do. I I enjoy um, parties, I guess, like a. uh, it depends. I guess I don't always. But but uh <laughs> every now and again a room full of people and you walk around and talk to people, it's it's yeah. fun. But now in college though you had a posse. Yeah, yeah, I did. That was great. And it's just tricky the you know, it's it's just adult friendships is the people that you um have those connections with don't live near you anymore. So uh there and there's a big with technology. We have this big chat for the whole uh the my crazy uh, still with person that group. apartment. Yeah, I've told stories about we still are all in that group and we we message each other every day. And that's 3 years ago. Uh yeah, well I graduated 2 I think years ago. Coming on 2 years ago. Okay, so so though that that
1: that physical posse ended 2 years ago and you guys right. still communicate every day.
0: Yeah, but that one uh whatever um intimacy we had is now lower now it's jokes and it's, you know, we don't really talk about our, our, we'll talk about if we had a funny story from work, like, uh, um, any big gaffes that you had with your boss or, you know, something like that, but nothing, uh, a few, few, we don't request prayer. We don't, you know, Uh stuff like that. Where the one-on-one relationships are more like that. Um, like with, uh, the singular friends from that group.
1: Let me ask you this. If you were gonna, if you were going to, um, if you and Lindsay we're going to um, have an evening with a group of people you would enjoy, and you could only have ten people: mm-hmm. the two of you and eight more. Do you know
0: who you'd invite? Who the other eight would be? Well, if it, it depends. If this is an exercise in a vacuum, then I do. But if you we start thinking about dynamics, some of these people know each other. It's going to get weird because they only they each only know me and Lindsay individually. Okay, so uh, that w-
1: so there wouldn't be yeah.
0: But yeah, so like the whole group, you know, it's and that's kind of weird because it was just us guys. So now that a few of us are married, it's like mm-hmm. the women don't know each other. That might be, you know. Now but lately, I, know, I, I have I have plenty of of uh, of applicants. I guess I have lots of people that come to mind. One of my best friends just got married, uh, like a few or well, a week yeah, ago, last yeah. week, and they're off in uh, in Wenatchee. And so I would. So love, if they were would, local, you would you would enjoy oh, that. Yeah, we go on double dates twice a week if we could. Um, and it was really interesting, actually, uh, that kind of unit, his dad, when I was up there, we hung out with his dad and a bunch of his dad's friends and they've been in a unit like that since high school. It's crazy to see. And he's, you know, 50, I believe. So it does exist. But what, what about you? I, I, you know, I'm,
1: I'm curious, uh, do you think there's something that you, um, that could be useful to you if you had that, how would that, how would that enrich your life if you actually had that? Say think of think of Alan's uh, dad and that tribe. You know they're in Gig Harbor and they kind of live in the same neighborhood. They've mm-hmm. known each other forever. What what's the power of that?
0: The power of that is, um, I guess, just the standard power of community. So they all have this network where if they need something, there's a a pretty good sized list of people they could call. Mm-hmm. You know that would that would do go to considerable lengths to to help them out. So just yeah. the you know the the strand of Three chords is is not easily broken or however that goes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So uh, this is really interesting to me because, um, you know, a lot of churches push uh, what you would call community groups or small groups or life groups, and they encourage people to get in groups of 8 to 12 and meet, and the best groups meet weekly. Sue and I, when we lived in Denver, we we met every Saturday night with a group of 10 of us. Um, and we did it for seven years and, uh, we weren't weekly except for the last four years. The last four years we were weekly instead of twice a month. And it's really interesting The the when we went weekly, the, uh, the connections deepened almost immediately for sure. Cause if you go twice a month and then you miss one, well, I haven't seen you for a month. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's that, that kind of idea of a, of a group and, and, and the, the group's I'm going to get in the weeds here just for a second, Um, and so I hope this isn't boring. We're going to get to the best stuff here in just a second as we go even smaller to go bigger. But uh, I have found those groups over time, like if they exist, like, well, we just hang out, we cook out, we play games, we have fun. Those groups are not sustainable. And the groups who say, we want to get into each other's worlds, and we want to have intimacy, you know, that freaks people out. (laughs) Uh, What I have found is that if the group is actually focused on, I want to be a better follower of Jesus, and I want to help you be a better follower of Jesus, let's help each other be better followers of Jesus. And we also enjoy good food, and we have fun every once in a while. But if the real focus is, let's help each other be better Christians, that group actually has teeth. And sustainability and intimacy develops out of that, and
0: I think that was uh, initial confusion. It not confusion, but I'm, in me connecting these dots to this conversation, uh, I don't. In, everyone in that group is a Christ follower, but it was not the. Uh, it wasn't always the focal point of the friendships, right? We right. were there to to kill time with each other. We enjoyed each other's uh, presence. So the the goal wasn't let's each. All at once, progress our walk with Jesus. Even though it should, in an ideal world, that should be on the front of our mind the whole time. Well, oh, we lived with each other. Yeah, you know, it was. Yeah, in college,
1: different. that's natural because you're in a close proximity geographically. You have an extremely similar context. You're all about the same age. You're going through the same experience. You're having the same social dynamic. So the likelihood of that occurring is super high because you're put in an environment where that's likely to happen. Now that right. you're so in a career
0: and stuff, it's not likely to happen. So when you look at these small groups, I'm, and I no doubt you would call all those, you know, the people in that group that you and mom in were were friends, no doubt. But it, it, is it different when you meet under a certain pretext like that, where you're not just going golfing like with Dougal? You're not just hanging out. You're not watching a game. You're meeting for a specific purpose.
1: Yeah, I don't understand your question.
0: That there's a difference between a, a natural friendship with no Mm -hmm. pretext, and Mm -hmm. a group with pretext. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Now, what I'm starting to realize, COVID has made me have a realization. And we talk about two things. We talk about community groups, you know, this idea of having 10 or 12 people who meet regularly to help each other be better of Christ followers. But then we also talk about this concept of oikos. And that is the eight to 15 people whom God has supernaturally and strategically already placed on the front row of your life. Some of them are family, coworkers, neighbors, friends, but they are right now on the front row watching my life. They, I have access to them. I have influence in their world. We have maybe a higher connectivity right now in this season. And those seats change, you know, that, that changes sometimes. Sure. And the idea that, um, what I noticed is that during COVID, when we start shutting our lives down, I actually drifted into my Oikos, not into my community group. So they're different, your Oikos and community group. I, I, I was, I, I'm realizing that through the COVID thing is that I have this group of friends. We call ourselves the groupies, and there's uh, 10 of us, five <laughs> married couples, and we're in similar age brackets. Groupies. Um, and we have a great time together, and we care about each other's lives. We we could, any one of us could raise a flag, I need help, and, and the group would respond. And the group, the eight of them have been together far longer. Sue and I have been in the group now about two years.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, but what I realized is I had all of my attention drawn immediately in the COVID world toward my Oikos And it was three weeks to four weeks in before I reached out to the groupies. Gotcha. And it made me realize that I have uh, two things going on. One is oikos, one is small group. And it made me realize why, for a lot of Christians, the small group thing just doesn't – it doesn't do much for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Others, they find their real friends there. I've got, you know, my, my buddy I ride motorcycles with. He is in a group of about 15, 16 people who've been friends for decades. They go to Man. different churches. They do uh, wave runner trips together. They do uh, trips to the desert together. They've been friends forever. And um, that is more of this hybrid of oikos and group where they've really become your, you know, a thing. Yeah, a, a unit. Yeah, and you can't prescribe that. You can't you right. can't just get eight or ten people together and say, Hey, let's become that. Right.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Whereas with your costs, uh, you're more likely to become that because you're already on the front row of my
0: life. And I feel maybe we're doing a disservice, just to put it blatant, the idea is that um a small unit has more power and intimacy in each other's lives than a, a broad unit. It's the it's the inch wide, mile deep versus mile wide, inch deep. Just to put it blatantly, that's kind of what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, because you could go to church and you could be confronted by God and you could be spoken to, but you're not accountable. You can sneak in, sneak out. Nobody knows what God spoke to you and nobody's saying, John, what are you going to do about that? But if you meet in a smaller group and you say, man, today I think God spoke to me this and he's confronting my selfishness in this arena, then you got to face those people next week. And they're going to say, how's that going with your selfishness there, John? That's why you go further because there's ongoing dialogue about what's
0: happening inside you. So that's the the going big impact, going small numbers-wise. Yes. With a smaller group of people going big on what you're doing in each other's lives.
1: Yeah. So we're launching a thing called Oiko Church, where we're encouraging people to gather in their homes with a smaller group of people and uh, participate in the gathering together, break some bread together, and have their discussion about what is God saying to me through this gathering right here. And do all of that in one setting now when you think of that does that in does that in,
0: uh inspire you it it does it raises challenges because i don't have that group established like i've said so mm-hmm. um it's easier when you think of five people cuz two of those are already accounted for in me and my wife yeah so uh you don't have to find a lot more but um it's not um the people didn't jump to my mind immediately, especially right. because of our other friends are units. So it's an odd number, five. Right. So we could get one other couple and then. Now you're stray. saying five because of the governor's number? I thought you said that for Oiko Church. No, people.
1: no. I'm saying, um, no, I'm saying um, that probably that eight to 12 is the sweet gotcha, spot. Gotcha. If I don't you know get up to 20 or 25, people sure. can hide and they don't have to talk
0: i I thought in the original announcement for eco Church you had said five that's on me. I must have misunderstood but uh that that does help actually because um, five was almost it's too small it's too so, too limited exactly yeah, yeah um and I love the it's with a lot of stuff with um in my life. I love the idea, but when I think about application it's trickier and uh especially avoiding like you said the the small group thing doesn't always work and and trying to find a way to make it more natural you can't force those connections like you said so it, it is it's like playing uh i don't know it's, it's like rolling the dice a little bit it's like a chemistry thing you know yeah yeah i don't know it's, it's very challenging to engineer
1: yeah and so i'm tempted to ask you like who would you put together but i but i think i know there's a family i know where the mom and dad are the patriarch matriarch and they have kids and some of the kids have married um and, and so they've got this growing little group of their family, and they really do their life together. And they hmm. uh, pray for each other, and they talk about their faith with each other. And so naturally— when This family Oika, unit. Yes. And so when, when I think of who are they going to do Oiko Church with, they already have it done right there. Sure. And so it's high energy. It's high accountability. It's inspiring. It's fun. Uh, it's not awkward. And so I kind of think that's the way you would lean is— You know, if I weren't the pastor, you'd come over to our house and, you know, we would have a few people here and we would do that together.
0: And it does make it a little more complicated where, you know, in the Oiko church, you'll be streaming a service of you speaking. So, uh, I can't have necessarily you in the Oiko church. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, yeah, but, but it is interesting. Um, uh, do you have people in mind if you, if uh, you'll be busy, but if you weren't,
1: well, you could also do your Oiko church. Uh, as a pre-recorded thing. So you could do it. That's the beauty of it. You could do it Sunday night. You could do it any night of the week. You don't have to do it on Sunday morning. Your your group could say, you know what? We Not want our true. Sunday mornings free. We're going to do ours on Sunday night or Tuesday nights. We're going to, every Tuesday night, we're going to meet at somebody's house, have a uh, potluck dinner and do our Oika church. So you you really could do it anytime. And in that case, I could do it with you. But uh, let's move forward because I want to, I want to keep working our way smaller because I really think that while the small group Oiko church concept is really helpful. Um, it is that next step from big to small. But what I'm realizing is the step after that is the one that I think has even more power and that's to go even smaller. So uh, Smaller than
0: eight to 12.
1: Yes. And so um, kind of the way I think of it as a funnel, you have the, you show up at a church. I'm a part of a church. That's a big group. Then I'm in this mid-sized group. Maybe I take Financial Peace University, which you did. I take a class. I'm sitting there in a room with maybe 35 people in there, but I'm at a table with six or eight. Uh, couples Connect for you did that for a while, right? Mm-hmm. So you and Lindsay show up, and you meet all these other young couples, and it's a mid-sized group. Then that, that drifts down to a smaller group, and then you're drifting down even smaller um, to maybe three people. Or one on one at a bistro table. Sure, this is where the rubber starts really hitting the road. Is when you have this one or two other people. That's generally going to be of the same sex. Where you really have uh, what what um, somebody calls
0: a two a.m. friend. I've got a two a.m. Yeah. friend. Well, and actually, I don't. I feel terrible for forgetting. And you explaining that I have. I've lived through that model in the past uh, couple years with, with this other couple. And we, like you said, a funnel. Big church. Then we went to Couples Connect. And we met this couple who had just moved here from uh, Texas. uh name were Josh and Mary. Mm-hmm. And uh, and me and Josh became like very good friends very quickly. And it was awesome. We met w- uh, for coffee every now and again. And they had a kid on the way, so he was kind of freaking out. But it was this really, really cool thing. And just like that, they were gone. They moved on to Arkansas within you know within yeah. ten months or so. And you and so haven't replaced him. No, no. And so, but but like you said, it was it was like bam. It was, it was like there it is, uh, funneled all the way down to one guy. And yeah. as a couple, we did couple stuff together too. But me and him would meet one on one. Yeah. Uh, and it was very powerful. And uh, and just the because of how it goes, he's in Arkansas now. And yeah. I text him when I remember, but it's not the same. And right. so so I have lived that model, and it does work exactly like you say it does. Uh, it's just very challenging.
1: It is. And, and I guess that's the point of this episode is to encourage people to, to go for it because that, you know, in your case, and this is what most people say, I just need that to happen to me. I didn't go hunting for Lindsay. You met Lindsay and bam, it happened. Sure. And you didn't go looking for Josh. You met him and bam, it happened. And we kind of hope it'll just happen to us. But yeah. for it to happen to us, you got to make some movement toward the smaller. Like if you hadn't gone to Couples Connect, you would have
0: never met them. Right. Right. That's true. Yeah. So you got to you you, you had met keep them for us and had told us about them. So I think I was yeah on that's the true lookout for them because yeah. just that they are from Texas. But, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Really, really great couple. Really awesome. Do you uh, have a Do you have a two AM friend? I mean, you got people yeah. that don't live close, but do you have a right. two AM friend.
0: Well, the distance—I uh, actually, because <laughs> I have a long list of them, but they all do. Most of them do live uh, quite a ways away. So that you know, that includes you're you're right nearby. You're one of them. Mm-hmm. But then there's uh, Tim in uh, in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. There's Alan in Wenatchee. Um, my buddy Jesse, like a brother to me, in in Colorado. Colorado, yeah. Uh, and there are people nearby too. So, but but the the um the what's the term um. I don't know, the ones that are the thickest are are further away. And I wonder if that's like a uh, um, Holden Caulfield thing where I only – I like people more when I don't see them very often or something like that. But <laughs> I don't think that's the case. Everybody's uh, normal till you get to know them. And then right. when you get to know them, it's like, <laughs> hmm.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I'll like yeah. you a lot better if you live three states away.
0: Yeah. But I, I feel very <laughs> uh, uh, fortunate with the amount of people that I feel very close with. I, I feel like it's getting more and more rare. Um. But yeah, do you do you have uh, nearby 2 a.m. friends? You know, um I do. Um
1: I have a friend right now. If if I called him it wouldn't matter what time of day or night, he's going to get up and he's going to be there. In fact, it's it's happened a time or two when I had a uh something break at the house and Sure. uh oh no, what do I do? And um uh <laughs> I texted him one time, "Hey, this happened. What do I do?" And his response was Wait 15 minutes till I get there. <laughs> I actually have a couple of those guys who who would just get up and you know meet me at the hospital or move a mountain, you know. Yeah. And I think that I think that's first rock number one for me. Even even more than that, community group of Oiko Church, which I think is a great pathway to find these people. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, you get in your Oiko Church, you start hanging out together, and. Now you're in a fishing pond, having conversations where you might start having this start to emerge, so yeah, but that two a m friend that's like
0: that's something everybody needs so the idea of when I think about it of 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 a Really, a be- a best friendship is is in a sense, in a colloquial sense, what you're talking about. In a so- social, this person is my the uh, friends, which would be in your oikos, mm-hmm. and then you have this this person who's very important to you.
1: Well, it could be friends, but it could also just be a commitment. You know, where hmm. uh, I've got one buddy um, that uh, we don't see each other every week. We don't talk to each other every week. But I am committed to him and he is committed to me. And we reaffirm that periodically. And actually, if I were going to have a high vulnerability conversation, like if I were like, uh, if I was really frustrated in my marriage and I don't know what to do, like I am, I'm at the end of a rope here. He's actually one of the guys I would first want to talk to about it Hmm. because I trust him
0: and it's a verbal commitment you paint. So, so it's it's
1: it's like a commitment we have to each other even though we're not socially always doing stuff together. We have this sure. kind of agreement of commitment to each other.
0: So biblically what w- what I was saying is the one-on-one unit like that uh, isn't isn't always um explicitly talked about. So you have like you have units like like Paul and Timothy and uh, I forget the names. I think Jonathan and Lot? Was that it? In the Old Testament there or Jonathan and
1: Jonathan and, and David were very they they loved each other. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. It just is very um a close friendship. But normally the the focus especially in the early churches is the is the is the is the, Oikos, is the unit.
1: Yeah, you do have uh Paul had Barnabas and then mm-hmm. he, who was a friend and he had he had uh Timothy who was a was like a son. Who was like a son and a, a mentee. He was an understudy. Yeah, and so uh, some uh, um, Howard Hendricks says every every person, every man needs a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. I need a man above me who's gone further than I have, who can encourage me and equip me. I need a peer who's an encourager who uh, loves me but isn't in, who isn't impressed with me, and then I need um, a Timothy, somebody I'm actually pouring my life into. Mm. So. Uh, I think that's another way to look at that, of this going smaller. I believe at the end of the day, so this is where really the bottom line, I think, John, and I'm curious what you think about this. I would I believe in this so much that I would say the odds of you being uh, strong, mature, stable, and um, continuing to grow in your life is directly proportional to the number of these uh, smaller relationships you actually have.
0: Hmm. That's so a big claim. It,
1: it is a big claim, and I don't know how people get where they need to get spiritually
0: without this. Without without the and specifically the the two AM friend or the the group. Uh,
1: both, you know, Jesus had twelve. Then he had three, and then he had the disciple whom Jesus loved. Right. So there was <laughs> there was twelve, three,
0: and one. The self-titled disciple who Jesus loved, Uh,
1: And um, I I think there's something to that, the 12, 3, and 1. I think there's something to that. And, you know, I I had a conversation at church, uh, a a message I taught a while back, not too far ago, where I said, um, you know, you you have these people who come along and they put an arm on your shoulder and they say, hey, let me talk to you. And they kind of confront you about something that's broken your Mm -hmm. life. And um, so far, I have had the conversation in three groups of adults where the question was asked, have you ever had that? And the answer is overwhelmingly no. Yeah, I've, I've never had somebody ahead of me, you know, who cared about me, who put an arm around my shoulder and said, hey, man, let me help you with this. Um, this is what you're doing. This is where that's going to take you. And I want to encourage you to reconsider. Um, I'm shocked at. Uh, both how much of that I have had, and so i 'm really grateful for it mm-hmm. and i 'm shocked how little of it anybody else has what to yeah. what do you attribute the the vacancy of that? How can it be that so few people get to experience that
0: i think it 's a uh, what I forget the term imposter syndrome where where you think uh and I think most people experience this where you think um normally it's a workplace term where you say, if my boss knew how uh, incompetent I was, they would fire me. Or mm. or you feel like an imposter, like you don't actually deserve to be where you are. But I think it applies here where you think, um, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm definitely not going to tell this kid or, or this person who's y- even younger than me uh, behind where I am. I'm not going to tell them what to do because I don't even know what I'm doing. That kind of thing.
1: Would you like to have somebody who would put their arm on your shoulder and say, hey, John?
0: Uh, what, well, I... When you were saying that, I thought about it, and it's probably just because of my pride. But I would almost think, um, I think I didn't ask for this. Like, what do you? <laughs> who the hell are you? Yeah, where, where do you? Where do you? <laughs> who do you think you are? Um, but also, I don't always feel the the uh, absence of that because of our relationship. So yeah, um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe it would be different for someone who has a a noticeable absence there. So uh, we designed a a, a concept. It's on our website at the church
1: about microgroups. Microgroups is the idea that you and one other person at the most two would meet every week and have a conversation. And you make this agreement like me and my buddy I told you about who we're not we're not that socially active, but we have this kind of relationship. And let me read you some of the questions that we that we say, hey, uh, you know, make your own questions if you want. But this is a great starting point. Let me read you some of the sure. questions. And then I want you to tell me, it, it, do you have anyone in your life with whom you would have this conversation? OK. Okay. Uh, how are you managing your desire to create an impression that you're better than you actually are? How strong mm-hmm. is that desire in you in the last week? And what do you think is going on there? Uh, when were you tempted to be dishonest in your words or actions or to exaggerate in the last week uh, why is that tempting to you were you tempted to confidentially pass on to another person what was told to you in confidence uh, whom do you whom did you fear dislike disown criticize hold resentment toward or disregard in the last week what causes you to experience that have you been a slave to your work, to people, to things, or to habits? Why is that tempting to you? These are real, man. Yeah. Share how, share how doing this past week got in the way of being. How can I pray for you to help you focus more on God's work in you instead of you trying to prove your worth to God? Uh, how have you been overly self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying in the last week? Uh, Share this week how you've dealt with life-controlling behaviors and dependencies such as fear, anger, substances, or inappropriate sexual ideas or behaviors. Uh, How and what has God been speaking to you in the last week, and how have you responded to what he's saying? Uh, How are you executing your stewardship in the area of money and time and relationships and physical health? How are you winning, and how are you being challenged? What's your personal life mission, and how can I help you move forward? I mean these these are for
0: just to talk you have the same this questions is for every week.
1: Well, it's it's something to get you going. A lot of you know, as you start to establish this kind of relationship, it helps to have like, oh, we have to answer these questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because uh you'll chicken out. Yeah. Uh, you'll chicken out asking these questions and you'll secretly hope he doesn't ask you. And so that's why they're so powerful is that they are an objective thing sitting there that you're both gonna adjust to.
0: Um, so is there anyone in your life you would have that conversation with? Well, I have, and this is part of a question. And after I ask this question, we'll do, we'll do a quick show and tell and then a, a commercial break. Great idea. Yeah. Um, is, is in a uh, marital relationship is, is more intimate than hopefully than in a relationship you'll have with, with really anybody else, any other human on earth. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have these conversations with, you know, with my wife. Yeah. Uh, does that, um, I guess, does that qualify in your opinion? Does that count? I think a
1: man's, I think a man, I think a marriage is great when a man's closest friend and highest vulnerability is with his wife. Mm -hmm. That is incredibly uncommon, but that is the best scenario. But think about these questions. I didn't get to these on the list. Uh, how have you battled sexual or inappropriate intimacy temptations this week? Mm. Uh, is there a person in your like in a man case? Is there a woman you find yourself wanting to spend more time around, or that you're thinking about more than you should? Um. Uh, is there is there anything isolating you from personal relationships, technology, work, games, you know, whatever? Sure. Um. You know, so uh, sometimes a person wants a safe disengaged third party to talk to, to help them sort out their thoughts, because there are some conversations that if Lindsay has with you or you have with her, you're so close and hijacked emotionally by it that you can't offer that person sometimes unconditional safe territory to explore what's going on in themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. The last question, this is my favorite. The last question on the list is, Uh, how honest have you been with me in this conversation? (laughs) So you can, you know, knowing that question is coming, you can say, well, I've withheld about 15%, you know, and and I'm going to keep withholding it. Thank you very much. So, uh, yeah, I do think that that the more this is your spouse, the better. And there is a guy needs a guy, a woman needs a woman, because there's some things going on in your head and heart that your wife just simply can't understand.
0: Hmm. I think, no, yeah, I, I think they're. Uh, it's not a. Um, the relationship doesn't fill all of the qualifications, so the level of intimacy is higher than with anyone else you'll ever yes, have. Yes, and there's a level of disconnect just by 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 the fact that you are different people that that people of like my or or like uh, experience could help you more, I guess. I don't know. Is that, yeah. And you,
1: and you see the world differently. Like every, every wife I've ever talked to says of her husband, I want to know everything that goes on in his head and heart. I want to know it all. And the truth is, darling, you don't want to (laughs) know because you'll be offended and you'll think terrible things about how he views you. And the reality is they just fly through his head. They don't mean a thing. And he, and he might wrestle with something that would, that would scare you inappropriately. It does. It shouldn't scare you, but if he says it out loud, it will scare you.
0: Sure. Does that make sense to you, John? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm. All I'm right. all
1: on board. Okay. So let's uh, let's hear your show and tell. It's time. Do do. I need. We keep we need a, We need a musical <laughs> intro to this. Ba, ba, da, we ba, should. Ba. Okay. Uh,
0: hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's show and tell time. Okay. I'll try and make it quick. We're going a little <laughs> long, but. Uh, This one should be easier anyway. This is a box. uh, I've not done... I've done a fair amount of traveling, not a ton. Uh, This is a box when we went to Haiti uh, Mm -hmm. my senior year of high school, or actually right after I graduated. Uh, Evergreen does a program. I think still does a program. We do. Where, yeah, graduating seniors uh, get half off. The church provides half their their fare for a missions trip, and uh, and you either raise the rest or you pay the rest or however however Mm -hmm. you get the money for the other Mm -hmm. half. And uh, for my trip, it was to Haiti. And uh, so I spent uh, the months leading up doing, you know, work for uh, uh, older uh, families throughout the church. And they paid, you know, obviously much higher than they should have or would have otherwise mm-hmm. uh, as as charity. For the caliber to, of work that they right. received. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and part of that was a bake sale, which actually mom did all the work for that. And I just stood there and sold cookies for yeah. more exorbitant amounts of money. Yeah. Uh, anyway, while, when you're there. There are vendors everywhere, and uh, and they tell you to haggle. The people who who host you, they say that they'll ask for you know. Do not pay asking price. No, yeah, and there there really is no there's no written asking price. They'll say, you know, uh, this is twenty dollars, and yeah. you'll say no, it's ten, and they'll say no, it's you know, and you and you haggle, yeah, and obviously you pay cash. Uh, and uh, uh anyway, so, so you have a box. Was, I have a box, and you I bought it a, from one of those guys, a vendor, uh huh, one of those guys in Haiti. Um, uh, no idea. It definitely looks handmade. It's pretty high quality. The lid is a tight fit. Uh, it's, if you leave it shut for too long, you really have to employ some tactics. Oh, so there are no hinges.
1: The lid just... No, there
0: are, there are hinges. Two hinges on the back. Okay. It, it opens like that, but it's 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 tight enough so you have to pry the front open. I see.
1: Is it felt lined inside or is it wood uh, inside? Nope.
0: It is wood inside, uh, and it's, it has uh, balsa dividers uh, separating it into three compartments oh. on the inside. Oh. Uh, it is, How deep uh, is it? Uh... About an inch and a half. Okay. Uh, looks well, so like then, a little jewelry box. Yeah, it is. It's it's about uh, probably about ten inches by six inches, maybe so ten by ten by five. Ten long, five wide, and an, an inch and, and a half, half deep. deep. Well, inch and a half deep, and then the lid is domed. So, oh, so, so you total, could put taller things in there. Yeah at the whole, at the highest point it is probably uh, you know three, three or, or four inches. Yeah. Okay. Uh and then uh the bottom is like a uh a more tan color, the top is a more deep red color, the lid is a deep red. And on the very top, uh, looking down straight down, uh it's uh, engraved the word Haiti nice. in all cap letters with nice little flourishes. And is and there a latch on the front? Nope. Nope. It's just no it's latch. On its own.
1: No latch. For some reason I could picture like a brass or gold hook on a on a or something
0: to latch. No, it. and I wonder if that's one of the reasons they made it such a tight fit. So you yeah. have to, <laughs> yeah. it acts as its own latch. And uh, inside, just um, as it happened over the years, I use it as my my Northwest trinkets box. So on my mm. my adventures throughout Northwest and a lot of my courting Lindsay, I have lots of, of uh, memorable little... Um, trinkets, like ticket trinkets. stubs or things. Yeah, exactly, ticket stubs. Uh, I think I have a receipt from some memorable date or something like that. Um, other, other fun stuff like that. little, uh, uh, sentimental tchotchkes, if you would. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll show it to you. This is the, oh, wow. It is deal. substantially lighter on the bottom
1: half than the top. Yeah. I love the engraving at the top.
0: It's very cool.
1: I wonder if those are two different kinds of wood. The, the, the body of the box and the lid seem to be different
0: wood. Yeah. Cause you wouldn't assume they just treated them different. Yeah. So maybe they are different wood, but they're, they fit together just right. And do you remember what you paid for it? I honestly don't. More than I should have. I didn't haggle that much. I'm really bad at that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I viewed it as almost a service, even though it was a transaction. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, big fan. School awesome.
1: Blocks. And you'll put a picture of that on the website? Yes, sir. Which I looked at our website today, or last night, and I did not see a picture of my bell. Well, I meant to ask you. I need you to send me a picture of the bell. Oh, I thought I had done that already. So I was I was thinking... That John, he didn't put that picture up there. But I should be saying, that Jim, he didn't send a picture to John.
0: Yeah, I could have asked.
1: All right, let's do our commercial, and then we're going to close this thing down with uh, some some tips and tricks.
0: Yes, sir. All right.
2: Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives, and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at Jim and John.com, where you can learn more about the Father Son Duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on Patreon.com slash Jim and John. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation.
0: All right, welcome back. Uh, thanks again for listening, and thanks for listening to our commercial and, uh, again, any feedback on the show and tell bit or really anything. Yeah. We'd love love to have it. We'd love to have it. Okay. So, uh, uh, we've come a long way. That was a late, late commercial. Uh, do you have a big takeaway for this conversation?
1: You know, I, I do. I think that, um, I think that the only way this is going to happen, um, is to want it and to ask God to help you find it and to go looking for it. The, so, this this deep deep this um, deeper uh, yeah yeah and so I would say uh, you find it maybe the same way you find your wife um, you date so I would encourage uh, <laughs> mandates man yes or
0: woman dates mandates yeah yeah well I mean so, women need these friends too I they do.
1: Saying they do yes but i'm talking to a dude Yeah, i forgot we are talking to lots of people and and so ladies too yeah um i think i think male or female you need this and so i think uh what you could do is uh ask someone to a coffee and say hey i just want to talk to you bring some questions and kind of interview them and uh see if there's anything there because you if it's not there it's not there but you won't find it if you sit around hoping this happens to you. It's not going to. So uh, I would say my takeaway is ask God, make this a matter of prayer. Help me find both uh, a man who I could go to or a woman, if you're a woman, you know, a a more mature Christian that I could go to and say, hey, would you be willing to just meet with me, you know, a few times a year and let me uh, pick your brain and then also look for a uh, 2 a.m. friend and also look for a younger person that you could say, Hey, I see something in you
0: i 'm proud of, and I would love to be a part of your life awesome what's your takeaway uh, my takeaway is is just that this um it's it's a concept that speaks for itself. I think I think if people think about this and they think yeah that that the uh the more intimate uh or the the smaller number of people, the bigger the impact in your actual life um, I think the concept carries through all kinds of stuff I think if you think about uh, like your, your state legislators, your governor, your, and then smaller to your county and your city, uh-huh, uh-huh. they all have a much deeper impact on your, what you see around you and how it affects your life. than uh, federal, uh, national politics and then world politics. Those trickle down yeah. and, uh, and uh, really the closer to home and you have more of an impact at those levels too, at your state level, your city level, your uh-huh. community, you have a huge impact in your community. You have a very, most people have a very, very small impact on federal and government things. Yeah. Uh, so so, just the idea that uh, um, the more intimate, the more impact you have, and especially for the kingdom, like the, like the Oikos idea, these people, you have real felt impact in their lives, even if you don't always feel that way. Um, and it goes both ways. And the the power of that, if you recognize it and 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 um, intentionally use that uh, reality, uh, it's pretty powerful stuff. I think.
1: I think too. You know, uh, I just saw uh, a um, headline. Um, this week this weekend that in san francisco they've had a year worth of suicides in the last four weeks
0: no way
1: yeah and this covid thing is really pushing people's buttons and you know there's a lot of anxiety and stress and pressure and on it goes and um, i i think that um, this is a hard thing to find And people might feel like I've got 450 friends on Facebook. Why do I feel so alone? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I really do believe this is one of those essential things we were made for is to have some friends that really count where um, I can tell the truth. I can I can I can give them information they could use to blackmail me. (laughs) I need a friend like that who won't blackmail me, who won't judge me, who won't give up on me, but who will fight the fight with me. Uh, I think that's a a, an immeasurable um, asset to your life, and something we should all offer and pursue.
0: Yeah, and I would say uh, just another another uh, takeaway for me for the, this whole series that we've done of a hundred and or uh, sorry, fifty five, fifty six. One of this episode fifty six. Um, all these conversations is that uh, uh, meaning is, uh, is, is important to happiness. It's, you can't really feel fulfilled and happy without meaning and without, mm-hmm. um, responsibility. And I think the same way with these relationships that if you want what we're talking about, you will have to, um, let your guard down with people and you'll well, have to, have, you have to respo- accept meaning in their lives and accept their meaning in your lives and accept responsibility. And, and it is the road to, um, to a meaningful and happy, um, deal actual growth yeah, yeah
1: that's a great point john because there is a price to it it's going to cost you time it's going to mm-hmm. cost you risk you might actually get hurt but it's worth uh that risk and it's going to cost you you know a little sacrifice for the people
0: that you let into the spot to also yeah. care for them to so maybe get up at 2 a.m because you'll be there 2 a.m for right, right. exactly yeah. Awesome.
1: Right. hey thanks for listening we hope you have a great day as always check out our website jimandjohn.com no h in the john we have blogs there. You'll see the picture of John's heady uh, box there. And We're, we're getting uh, really used to that rhythm,
0: you. so if it takes a little extra time, please please forgive us, but it'll be there.
1: Be so patient with us, but don't be too patient. If no. we irritate you, send us an email. <laughs> please. Uh, info at jimandjohn.com. We'd love to hear from you. Awesome.
0: See you guys next week.